The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Merkel. Media. The Mockingbirds. Welcome back to another episode of Kill the Mockingbirds with your host, Shaw, Chris, and Joel Thomas. Introducing our first contestant, Dennis Rocco. Hey, 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 Dane. Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump 2024, Trump 2028, Trump 2032, Trump King Trump, baby. King Trump. Just a game show because I'm here to talk about Q drops. Q drops. All the drops, baby. Rain down on me with them Q drops and tell me about Lord Trump, baby. Lord Trump. Brat. Brat. Back, baby. Hey, we back. You know how we do it, man. Yeah. Let's get everything out in front, right? We like to get the house cleaning done real quick because, you know, it's a little messy sometimes. Give a little reminders out there. If you haven't already, go to killthemockingbirds.com. You can follow all our socials there. Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram. Telegram, which is not very active, but you could go there and meet up with the other followers that sometimes get a little post every now and then. But also, don't forget about the event, October 6th, 7th, and 8th, 40 and Airwaves. Super mega podcast convention where you're going to hear bump podcasts, un- uncomfortable, Appalachian intelligence. Shout out to AI because I did my, I, I did my episode and I messed up their name. <laughs> <laughs> Cryptids of the Corn and uh, Hollow Skies. October 6th, 7th, and 8th in 8 Ohio. And I think, Joe, we have a special announcement about that, don't we? Yeah, we've got two free tickets to the Fortean Airwaves podcast ultimate podcast conference that we're going to give away but the only way to get them is to go to killthemockingbirds.com scroll down to the contact form give us your best comment your funniest comment with one of our catchphrases booyah dog keep your butt cheeks tight wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up and any of those and we'll give you two free tickets to go to that uh, we'll work all that out for you once we calculate the winner. Um, we'll get that done for you guys. And we will be actually announcing the winner on our Thursday drop, the 28th, September 28th, a week before the conference. Jump on killthemockingbirds.com. Leave the funniest comment. We'll also read, we'll probably read a few because if they're really funny, we're probably going to read them anyways. We're going to pick the best comments, me and Joel. So. Come at it, man. Let, let, let's get with it. Share it with everybody that you know as well. Like, always share the show. 
Uh, don't forget to check out Sean Christian, Joel Thomas. And Joel Thomas has a brand new album. If you don't know, we have been talking about it a little bit. We always forget because there's so much stuff that we forget to talk about. The Shape of Shadows soundtrack for the Shape of Shadows documentary. You can watch the Shape of Shadows documentary and then listen to the soundtrack. Or you know what? If you want, play the soundtrack while you're watching the documentary. It all works. Yeah, for sure. And you can stream it anywhere. Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, any of the 30, 40 streaming services globally that you can get to. Just type in Joel Thomas, The Shape of Shadows, and it'll pop right up. And you can check out it's seven tracks. Sean's on one of them with me, too. It's a dope album. Uh, speaking of comments, though, you guys have been killing it again on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Roll in the comments. And matter of fact, we got so many on that Trump episode, which we were very proud of you guys for being woke the fuck up. And, you know, as much backlash as we got, we actually got way more, way more positive feedback from you guys which is a good thing and it lets me know that you guys are awake to what's going on in the world and i think you guys also know that hey we're here to break down these idols so if you got an idol they're going to get broke down it's just going to happen naturally with us but i do want to read some comments from apple Podcasts, and then we'll jump to spotify and then a really funny one to end it all but we've got jnet 2003 Trump episode is so good. Thank you for this episode. I'm so sick of people excusing him and his actions. He killed both my parents with his protocols. Ventilator stock killed my mom and his warp speed. It took my dad and I documented all his side effects on Rumble. It was awful to watch. Trump signed in PrEP Act, which I couldn't sue. He gave them all immunity. I can't stand politicians or politics anymore. Jesus 2024, Jesus saves. Thank you for all the info here. People need to wake up because they won't because they're looking for a man to save them. I feel really bad uh, for your family, uh, Jaynette. That that does suck. But you would know firsthand being in the middle of Trump being in office and all of these things being passed while he was there. I think that's some piece of it that people forget. Like it, The best part is when they say that Trump, oh, well, he was just listening to the people around him. Well, that doesn't make any sense if you're saying he's the outsider not listening to anyone around him and doing his own thing. And he's the one that appoints the people. And definitely, I could say, and I'll speak for Joel as well, I'm sure he feels the same, we definitely our condolences, man. I mean, it is what it is. Like, we can't always stop the people. Like, you know, not everybody's going to listen to us when we have things to say to loved ones. That's why I always, when I do mention about some of the COVID stuff, like, got to remember, we got a lot of loved ones. So definitely our condolences. For sure, for sure. Uh, we got Vet67, a go-to podcast. I look forward to all their shows every week. Merkel Media itself is nothing but bangers. These guys do a ton of research and will make you question a lot. This podcast will make you tighten your glutes so tight you'll never have to make excuses for skipping leg day again. Love it. You can get a workout just listening. You are fake news. We get, you get a workout just listening to us. That's that's a fact. Uh, we've got uh, Sweet three four two three. Great podcast. These guys won't piss on your back and tell you it's raining. Great rapport, energy, research, and passion with some booyah dogs has me hooked. Keep it up, fellas. Appreciate that. Sweet. I felt like that was like the uh, NWO <laughs> with with Scott Hall there. Uh, so we're going to jump over to Spotify. We've got Mike I. I used to call a girl in school Melonhead, but she shot was wrong. As always, killer like Dr. Crow, episode five stars. Appreciate that, Mike. We got Beck Jabby McGee. 
I supported Trump until I listened to this episode. It was hard to admit I might be wrong about him. Keep doing it to the people. I look forward to your next episode. Love from Australia. Appreciate that, Beck. We love all the love from all over. Keep up the five-star review, guys. Keep them rolling in. The more they keep going up, the deeper we get in the algorithm. We are hitting some crazy numbers right now because you guys keep the five stars coming. I know we could get a ton more. I would just I always imagine if just 100 people went and gave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify during the week while you're listening, like what that would do to jump us even further. Go do it right now. Again, even if it's just like you like one episode and you're like, I don't like that flat earth stuff because I love flat earth. Like, that's You want to talk to me about fucking flat earth, motherfucker? Hook us up for that one episode you liked. It's all good. (laughs) And I think it's time to get into the show. the moors turn right the, the new the new soap opera coming out on kill the mockingbirds so as you can see in the title we're going to talk a little bit about the moors which you hear a little bit about it but there's pockets of people we're kind of going to push not just some of the theories some of the history that goes along with it and mash it all together so you could get a real scope of who the moors really were and where they were established and what they mean to the whole spectrum of this order of the world. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many crazy theories and offshoots of the Moors and how they were the first people in the Americas, or at least in some people's eyes, the first to get over here from somewhere else, right? They were the first to settle over here in specifically North America, but also all of the Americas. And we'll get into that and how it's also tied into deep-rooted black supremacy and how that that is also a big factor, very similar to how white supremacy can be a thing. You know, we joke around about white supremacy and black supremacy on the show and how people use those terms uh, without knowing what they are. But we're actually talking about the real legitimate terms of what those really mean on this episode. And we've got some future episodes. We're going to talk about some groups like the KKK as well, but the Moors aren't necessarily that, but there are pockets of black supremacy within this theory of the Moors, which after doing a good bit of research on the Moors, Sean, there's a lot of validity to some of the things coming out of it. For sure. I'll be the first to tell you that I think that some of these Egyptian cultures that would be considered Moorish did come over here very early in America and set up shop. We know that there were ancient Egyptian artifacts found in the Grand Canyon, places that we're not allowed to go to today that are blocked off in the Grand Canyon that you can't yourself go and check out. Caves where there are hieroglyphs in the caves, pottery, ornaments, uh, Ramsey's ornaments that are in these caves that we can't get to today. So we do know that throughout North America, throughout South America, there are uh, temples and pyramids that have a lot of very Egyptian-like features to them that seems like there, there's some sort of connection between ancient Egypt and between 
what's going on over here. But yet we've been taught by the Smithsonian and taught by mainstream media that these all came from the Native Americans or the Aborigines that were here. Well, to some degree, but yet I do think that these Moors are also intertwined throughout. Now, do I think that there's psyops laced within this Moor um, theory? Absolutely. Absolutely. With anything, there's always the psyop. Again, we're going to say this probably every show. Go to killthemockingbirds.com. Go to the disinformation section. Check out Cass Sunstein's paper that he did in 2008 on cognitive infiltration and how to infiltrate a conspiracy community with other conspiracies that throw people off the trail. They're all infiltrated. I don't care which one you believe. They're all infiltrated. You need to know that going forward with anything that you're reading. You got to understand that there's going to be some truth there, but the way you get to the ultimate truth is, well, one, having some sort of, I think, belief in God, and he'll guide you in the right path of where you need to go. Two, reading multiple layers of things so you can glean from all of them and say, you know what, these pieces fit together. I don't think that fits. Maybe that's that cognitive infiltration that was thrown in here to throw me off the trail. So this is just as evident in this more theory as it is anything else, Sean. Yeah, it's not a new concept. This has happened throughout time. Somebody wants to be in power. They're going to lead people from their fears or their not just with manipulation, anything that drives them or their insecurities, whatever it may be, something that's real. You use that against the person to direct them where you want them to go. Like, for instance, uh, uh, when we talk about Edward Bernays and, hey, I need more people to smoke cigarettes. Let's get women to smoke cigarettes. They see the women's rights movement. They latch onto the women's rights movement. And then what do they say? How come women can't smoke cigarettes? It wasn't about empowering women. It was about selling more cigarettes. And that's just an example. And a lot of same thing with the Cass Sunstein. That's just a modern example of what happens. And this happens through everything with religion. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I think some people like me, sometimes some of the Bible stuff and I, and talking through Joel, me and you having so many different conversations, obviously understand the importance of the Bible and, and that there is a lot of truth in it, but obviously we also know that's been manipulated depending on who rewrote it, right? Like there's different versions and you have to go, like you're saying, compare, Hey, this guy says this, this guy says that, this guy says that meet in the middle, because just like if you have an argument with two of your friends that one guy's going to, each guy's going to try to look good, right? Hey man, I didn't say nothing, man. He came up and just hit me, man. You know, I was just like sitting there now and there is a, I, times where people do stuff like that for the most part, it's in the middle where the truth lies. No, for sure. Exactly. And I think today we're going to start out with the mainstream version of the Moors because it is a real thing. This isn't like some sort of theory, the name Moors is a real thing. We're going to talk about the mainstream, kind of the Wikipedia to National Geographic versions of that. We'll talk about a little bit of fact checking out there about these Moors. We'll also get into... um some of what these black supremacist groups are, then we're going to show you the other side of it. We're going to show you what some of these guys who are part of this more theory, how they think uh, and what truth could be in there as well. And then we're going to talk about Christopher Columbus and how he's tied in with the Moors, uh, with Moors being with him on a lot of the ships that he came over here with, as well as 
You know how we do here, man. We always delve into the occult because the occult seems to be tied in to every single theory there is. And what bigger one that always seems to rear its ugly head is the Freemasons and how they're tied deeply rooted within the Moore theory and the Moors themselves. So we'll get into that on the back end, just so you know, guys, we're going to get weird. It always ends up that way, even though we start out nights and educational at first. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's how you have to do it. That's the whole point of the show of critically thinking is looking at from all angles. And like you said, uh the original history is true. Like there and I mean for what we know of history, but it's also the Moors and the Phoenicians and the Romans and you know what I mean, we could go with the Persians, the Egyptians. I think it also puts into a spectrum gives you a scope of looking at everything into this is how the world kind of runs. It's not just been like, you know, right now everybody's like, Oh, America has been imperial, you know, they're imperialist and blah, 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 which I agree with that. We, you know, we're in countries now, but this is not the first country. Plenty of empires have done this. And I think that's where we're at in the world. And that's why it's important to go through this history. Cause you can see the same correlations. Absolutely, man. And I think we're going to start with the term more. It's a term first used by Christian Europeans to designate the Muslim populations in Sicily, Malta, uh, the Iberian Peninsula, all these places during the Middle Ages. It's not, and this is something that people need to understand, even though that people will use that term Moors to designate to black people, that's not really the case. Moors are not a single or distinct or self-defined people. Matter of fact, in 1911, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica observed the term and it said it had no ethnological value, which means that it wasn't just one race of people for this term more when it started. Now, did over time it start to be used towards a specific color of people? Yes. And said color of people also took on that word to distinguish themselves away from other people too. But that really wasn't how it started because you had the Arabs, the Berbers, a lot of Muslim Europeans that were also called Moors as well. So this wasn't just a term that was uh, definable by somebody's race at all, as a matter of fact. But as we go through the etymology today, you will see where there were times that more was used as a slur, and then it just kind of built into uh, a race of people, and said race of people took it on board, which kind of reminds me of another word that was used as a slur to define a certain race of people, and then was taken by said race of people and used... I don't think in a positive way, but said to be used in a positive way. Moore was kind of the originator of that. Yeah, I don't think people knew that early on that it was. So Moore is a term. It's a blanket term. It started at least it started as a blanket term because even during colonial era, Portuguese introduced the names Ceylon Moors and Indian Moors in South Asia and Sri Lanka. And the Bengali Muslims were also called Moors. Hell, in the Philippines, the Muslim community in the Philippines uh, were also called the Moro people. 
And this was introduced by Spanish colonizers due to their Muslim faith. So again, a lot of this had to do with them being Muslim, not so much a color of people. Because if you just listen to what I said, these different areas, you can tell that this wasn't a specific race of people. This was several different races that just identified by specific religion and then got called Moors because of it. And one of the interesting things to me when, because it's almost like the Moors were one of the first mixed race type of, uh, uh, of the, uh, at least talked about, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of mixing of different cultures and stuff like that and ancestry, but the Moors were kind of called out. And what to me is really interesting is that they say they have Celtic ancestry, which is spot on with the whole giant red hair talk. And I think that that spawns for a reason. Also, I think with these empires, Roman, you know, so on, so forth, et cetera, et cetera, they've invaded places, not only enslave, but they impregnate the women of that culture. And then it mashes more of the so-called race or culture or uh, whatever we want to call it, your ethnicity. And then that's what we have this multitude. And I, from what I was looking at, it's like the Moors were like, kind of stood out because they had a multitude of different um, ethnicities compared to everybody in the world at that time. No, absolutely, man. I, I completely agree with that. And to the etymology of the word more, which if people don't know what etymology is, it's just what words mean. Um, it's actually uncertain. They can trace it back to the Phoenician term, Mahurin, it means Westerners, which I thought was kind of weird that they're called Westerners. So that kind of lends a little bit into the credence that the Moors were here in the West long before people thought that they were, which as we go throughout this, I'm going to tell you that I, I do too. I actually, I absolutely believe that they were here uh, for a long time before people said that they were. The word Moor is presumably of Phoenician origin and some actually attribute it to a Hebrew origin to the word, which I thought that's interesting because of the black Israelites who tie a lot of their theories into the more theories as well. So that makes sense when you're talking about the 12 tribes and the tribe of Dan and you start getting into the black Israelite theory, which by the way, guys, we're just setting you up a little bit with this episode. In a few weeks, we are doing a full on expose on the Ku Klux Klan and the Black Israelites and how they are both just opposite sides of the same coin. I know it's going to be controversial, but you know how we do it here. Brat, we don't care, baby, because we're here to like tear down yeah. anybody's Booyah. idols, tear down any theologies or theories as well. Like there, And again, there's credence to all of them. There's great parts of all of these theories. But, you know, as we dig, we're going to uncover some falsities as well, some things that don't add up, that don't seem to play into so much of them trying to help people, but trying to divide. It's all about divide and conquer. And the Moors are no different. The Moore theory is no different. And it's divide and conquer mentality. But yes, the Hebrew origins of the word really made me think to, as I'm digging into the Moors, I mean, the black Israelites kept popping up, kept popping up. And I'm like, okay, this kind of makes sense now. Because the black Israelites are black supremacists, in my opinion, because of how that they portray themselves as being better than everyone else. And it's never a let's bring everyone together 
just the same thing to me as like a Ku Klux Klan group or neo-Nazi group. It's the same thing. We're better than everyone else. When you start going down that road in anything, you've already lost. I believe you've already lost. And I know that would be controversial for me to say that, but I don't really give a damn, Sean, because I'm going to say how I feel. And pe- I mean, it's the truth. It's the damn truth because they say we're the chosen people, the same thing, the Nazis, the same thing, like Ku Klux Klan, any kind of group of that nature. And the reason these ideas come out, like uh, when you talk about like Black Wall Street, for instance, right? And I talk about racism as being a psyop. And the reason I say that is not that it didn't actually happen. They're pushing people into this direction, like you said, to constantly have this divide. Like, hey, this person's taking your job. This person's taking your land. There won't be no more of you and your family if this group of people comes, you know what I mean? Whatever it may be, whether it's in Nigeria or New York, whether it's in Brazil or in Mexico, this has been a theme played by elites around the world on any surface level. You don't even have to go deep into conspiracy to see this, that they take charge by seeing grassroots movements and getting infiltrators in there and switching the message. And it doesn't mean that there's a bunch of people that are like, oh, we're in on it. It means that they dictate the message. They tell you, hey, this is what we believe. And as we've seen with COVID, as we see with some of these theories out there, people are willing to put their feet in, root in, and really drive those ideas home. Well, a good way to infiltrate somebody is if there is some wrongdoing going on there, but then convincing them that the reason why you're being done wrong is because you're kings and queens of yore, that you are of a bloodline that has been oppressed because you're God's chosen people. Once that starts happening, you've already lost because that's not the truth. And I know that black Israelites would be up in arms with me and I would be willing to go toe to toe with any of them. As a matter of fact, Um, on air to go over this stuff because I feel like that I've done enough research into all spectrums of it to understand that there's truth there, but it's not the truth that you think that you have. It is a black supremacist idea. And this Moorish idea also is of the same thing. It's we were these kings and queens of Egypt. We came over here and built this empire only to have it taken from us. Okay, I want to throw one thing out there. If the empire was so great, why did it get taken over? That's the one part that nobody can explain to me how it got taken over. Well, evil doesn't always win, in my opinion. So clearly evil one has been winning for a long time. So that feeds into the white devil mentality of the white European that came over here. Also, as we dig through this more uh, road, you're going to see that even in their theories, there are people of Moorish descent who side with these Europeans to help almost conquer their own people, which also is very crazy when you dig into it. So again, everybody that's Morse isn't great, even from their own lens, you're going to find that out as we dig here. But this whole fact-checking thing I wanted to bring up real quick. So lead stories, which is a big fact-checker, you'll see them pop up on some sort of post on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. They're one of the ones, right? They're one of the top 10 that pop up and fact check stuff. Well, they fact checked a post that was about Moors being the original inhabitants of North America. Pyramids are Native American earthworks. So they come in and say that it is not true because the quote underneath it was showing y'all where black culture live in the USA and how they destroy the history and remake it. 
which the video's narrator describes pyramids in the U.S. as alleged representation of historical population centers of black Americans, which, again, today we're going to get into that, and some of that's not false. Like, some of that's not false at all. But Lead Stories comes in and blows it all up and says that, no, this was all Native Americans or what we consider Native Americans or Indians that were here. It was all of their stuff, which, matter of fact, the Native Americans don't even say it's all of their stuff. That's the best part. When you actually meet these people who have a deep history or understand their deep history, they will even tell you that giants were here that built a lot of these structures. You did have black Americans that were here or Moors that were here. You did have a lot of these other Vikings uh, that were here as well that were building over here. It wasn't just one set of people. So again, lead stories, you're, you're dead wrong. Like I just pointing it out that they've tried to cover up the fact that there were black American cultures here or black cultures here before. And just like Smithsonian has, and they are trying to cover up that true part of history. Now, do I think it's as deep as what the, the Moorish people of today say that it is that they're trying to stifle this king or queenship that they're owed? No, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that that's how the Americas worked. I don't think it was one dominant faction necessarily. I think it was multiple factions that were here in North America just from my theorizing and what I've read, it seems to me that there were a lot of heavy hitters, literally, with Nephilim being here. To me, the Nephilim would have been overridden over most of them, especially in their heyday. So that that the Moors would have had a tough time even with them. So, no, I don't think it was just one sect of people that were here. Yeah, I think multitudes, and you could see through history. <laughs> and doesn't the word indigenous mean like dark-skinned? Like, isn't that all it means? Like indigenous, like, uh, that people would use that. Like, I'm not sure about that, but that's what, uh, uh, some of the research that I've seen people talking about how indigenous means dark skin, but you could see like when we talk about Melungians, remember we, with the Lincoln episode, that means that there was a multitudes of different races here or ethnicities for a long time. Melungian was three main ones. You had black, white, and it was a third piece, generally some sort of Islander is what it was or Asian. So it was three and they were actually considered kind of its own thing until that word got eradicated because they wanted us to fight white versus black. They wanted to keep that narrative going where Melungian would have disturbed all of that because most people would realize that they are Melungian. Even you and me and everybody else around us, we're all kind of from the same Petri dish that's happened when people live together and people co- coexist together. You end up, you know, commingling together. And they don't want us to have that in our minds. They want us to be separate. And this Moorish theology, at least when we get into the really heavy rhetoric of it, is built on a supremacist attitude. Now, now to say that, there's some validity to coming from kings and queens and some of these things. I'm not negating some of that. But to say that your kings and queens were better than these people's kings and queens or these giants over here or these, you know, uh, Scandinavians over here is just ludicrous. I, I don't think that we know any of us know the full scope of what really happened back maybe even 200, 300 years ago. Yeah, there's just a bunch of different people that are trying to take power. Uh, these different families, different bloodlines, fallen, uh, whatever they're entangled with they see groups of people and they want to 
control them and they find narratives like you said hey w- there's no food well there's no food because let me guess white devil white devil booyah dog (laughs) yo that was great man i was not expecting that so if people don't know we do this show he's got a bunch of these things lined up to like hit me with that i have no idea they're coming so that, that was actually pretty good but to switch to national geographic and their terminology again we're just sticking with a little bit of mainstream early on so people can understand uh they talk about the term more being familiar but also confusing They said the term can be found throughout literature, art, and history books. It does not actually describe a specific ethnicity or race. Instead, the concept of Moors has been used to describe alternatively the reign of Muslims in Spain, Europeans of African descent, and others for centuries. So this, again, covers the full spectrum. Now, beginning in the Renaissance era, the term Moor and Black Moor were being was starting to be used as any person with dark skin. So this is when that part started happening, where it started moving into the term more was a term for black people. Matter of fact, one of the most famous mentions of Moors is in a Shakespeare play, the tragedy of Othello, the Moor of Venice. So the lead character is a Moor and he was black. He was a general in the Venetian army. And in, in this is in Shakespeare's time. The port city of Venice was an ethnically diverse place. So very similar to like you would go to New York City or L.A. Very, very ethnically diverse. And the Moors or black people represented a change in Europe and the Middle East, Asia and Africa at the time. So it was more of a mixing of the time in the play Othello. Despite his military prowess, he's also portrayed as exotic, hypersexual, and untrustworthy. A lavicious Moor who secretly marries a white woman. So this is kind of where those stereotypes are playing in to kind of how we see now. How they play into black people. These negative stereotypes of black people. This was happening back in Shakespeare's day. And also, if we just want to track Shakespeare, who we don't know who actually Shakespeare was, by the way... So Shakespeare was, could have been multiple people that was writing this, but Shakespeare, if it's defined as a person, was very tied into some of this Freemason rhetoric and some of these secret society uh, ideas that were being pushed during the time. So this seems like a very Freemason thing to do to start, hey, these people are different. They're, They're not with us because of the diversity that was happening and the change that was happening in these cities, they didn't want that. So what better way to do it than to hypersexualize, turn this, you know, masculine black man into this quote unquote sneaky more, which they've done now. We just talked about a term which we will not say on air that people use for black people throughout history, used in the same way. So I think more was kind of that word the n-word of that time or it started changing that way where it was a positive term where it blanketed a lot of different people that were just kind of under a muslim way of thought into it's a black thing and it kind of really got perpetrated with shakespeare um back back in this time period and shakespeare i mean 
if you, like I said, I think he's a little bit of psyopish, right? That's kind of the first time to infiltrate and give people ideas and soft disclosure and push narratives through media. I mean, cause that what, that's what it was is media, this different form. And you see it through like, even like the Romeo and Juliet where it's, you know, the poor kid and the, the rich, uh, uh, heiress that, you can put it in any spectrum and, and it's this constant divide. I do believe that Shakespeare was multiple people, but we'll get on that to a whole different level. But I think this sets the premise for people to see that. Yeah, they want to, they want to give you these stereotypes of, of put in the race, put in the people, put in the culture. And that's how they get us to forget our history. I think the point is, you know, like we hear a lot of in the Americas, you know, like black people from the, you know, that were something like to be called ADOS, you know, uh, American descendants of slavery that they don't know their history. But I also argue back that either do we, you know what I mean? We know bits and pieces. There's no person I think on this planet that truly knows their history. Now they may be presented with something that is their history, that their family passes down, that they're like, this is what it was. But when you really go through this, the uh, whole thing over, you can see that. No, that is a lie too. They don't understand where they really, where they came from. Just like when they talk about slavery and they only attest to the African slave trade, the American, you know, the Atlantic slave trade and not the Irish. Like people are like, Oh, the Irish never slaves. I'm like, yeah, well they were because they were enslaved by England. Now were they over here slaves, that could be a different argument, but people have been enslaved throughout time because there's families, there's bloodlines that want to have these narratives. And I think the Moors is another thing that they used. And I understand where they come from, the whole Kings and Queens stuff. And I think people like to like, yeah, and I know that is there's real truth to that, but to me, it's like, well, there should be only one king, which would be Jesus Christ, or you could just say God or whatever one you want to say. So I don't know why this whole notion of like, we have to push this whole we're kings or we're queen, like, I don't need that. But I think they do that to get into people's minds, to push them in that direction. Absolutely. And by the way, Irish were slaves over here. Um, I'm going to do an expose at some point. I talk about it briefly on a Ginger Snaps, uh, maybe a month or a month and a half ago, but they actually were sold over here during the time that black slaves were here and they were forced to mate with black people to create um, light-skinned people because they sold more than just the the white people did so that was a part of it that was going on so again it's a part of history that no one wants to talk about because once we start talking about there were a thousands and thousands and thousands of irish slaves over here during the exact same time there were black slaves then it changes the narrative of it being a black versus white thing and it just being about slavery that's what that's what happens. That's the part of history that you need to look into. It's not the whose race is better part of history because that doesn't exist. There's no race that's better than another race. And that's the psyop, right? And really race is not even really a thing. Like that is actually a social construct. You know, there's all this talk of gender, but race is now ethnicity is a different thing and culture is a different thing, but race, but they use that word race because it easily divides people. And you're absolutely right because it changes the narrative and we would, Hey man, you were slaves. Like 
now you can't pin us against each other. And the point is to pin us against each other. And that's why all kinds of information and people need to realize the, what we do on this show, why we push back on different theories, why we push back on things is because anything that we see, and I'm speaking for Joel because I know that he thinks the same as me, anything that we see as divisive that is trying to divide us as the working class, the common people, we have to throw some darts at it, man. We got to get those cheeks tight for people because they need to break that idolization whether it's over a theory, whether it's over a man, woman, whatever it may be, you need to see that throughout history, they're using these tactics to separate us. That's why they labeled Moors Moors. Why? Well, oh, they're the uh, they're the Muslims, especially as it progressed through time, because you know they were in Spain, they were big big front of Spain, and and they're credited to bringing Spain out of the Dark Ages and you know kind of reigniting Europe. But as, as through that time and different empires, different re religions emerged, and then you have these factions fighting each other and needing to label them so that they can show you who your enemy is. Like, oh, he's a uh, more, he's your enemy. Hey, he's a uh, this, he's your enemy. That's all the purpose of labels are to me. That's the same thing with this woke ideology. They're putting labels on things so that we could be automatic enemy <laughs> enemies. No, for sure. I, I completely agree with that. And to that point, the term more has since been co-opted by the sovereign citizen movement in the United States. The members of the Moorish sovereign citizens group claim they are descended from the Moors who predated white settlers in North America. And they're part of a sovereign nation, not subject to U.S. laws. So this is that whole allure of being a Moor. Listen, I don't have to listen to your laws. I don't have to obey you. Now, are they right about some stuff about what's going on uh, in the U.S. and how governments are trying to control us? Yeah, absolutely. But I think this is a psyop within itself. This is very typical to the Black Panther movement, where it started out as a grassroots movement, but quickly was infiltrated by three letters. And I think this Moorish uh, ideology is also the same thing. There was this whole incident in 2021 that was talked about on the Washington Post. It was called the Rise of Moors, which the group is called Rise of Moors. And how many members is unclear, but they have a pretty big Facebook page where they did it at the time. I think it was over 5,000 followers. And the YouTube channel had over a million views at the time. But they basically got arrested by the police because they were walking around with military-style tactical clothing um, they had uh, ARs and AKs and everything in between, and they were walking around uh, filling up the tanks of their cars. Police came, and they were in a nine-hour standoff with police. When they were finally apprehended, the sus suspects clearly wouldn't tell them who they were, but the police ended up finding out. Anyway, it was about six or seven guys, and they basically said that they refuse to pay taxes, get driver's licenses, register firearms. Uh, they try to get members to challenge these federal laws, which some of these federal laws are bullshit, just like paying taxes is bullshit. Like it, it, there's no disagreement. There's no disagreement on some of what they think, but this is their biggest issue. They come out and they're saying that they believe that the African-Americans today are descended from the African Moors and they were also indigenous to the Americas. Now, as we go through this, 
I'm not going to disagree or dispute some of that. I think there's some truth to that, but I think they take it as like they were running America in their heyday. The white European came over, stopped them, put them into slavery from here, and they are owed this right of the land. What they're not accounting for is how many other people were here before them and how many people were there with them. They could have even had a spurt of time where maybe they were running things. They did have some sort of empire here, but it quickly crumbled. So at the end of the day, there's there's too many pieces of the jigsaw that are missing for me to say that you're right. I feel like it's just an ideology to push us to, to be apart from each other, to push and say that my race or my ethnicity is better than yours because I'm of kings and queens. Well, in all honesty, every one of us could track our lineage back to kings and queens somewhere in the eons of time. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. We could all walk around and strut around and talk about kings and queens and look at ourselves in the mirror like, yes, queen, yes, king. We could all do that. We could all do that. But it's, it's, bec- it's become, here in the States, synonymous with black people. And there's a reason for that. They want to perpetrate that ideology because it's, it's, you're being oppressed. This is how you not, this is how you teach yourself to not be oppressed is by looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself where you came from. And at the end of the day, we all came from the same place. I don't care what anybody says, man. I don't care what anybody says. We all came from the same source. Totally agree. And you got to understand too that in the Americas at that time, I'm with you. I think there is more Moorish people that were here, uh, you know, before some other people, famous people that they claim, but I don't think they were the first people here. I think that that's the part where I think they get it wrong. And they may have had cities, uh, you know, they may have had villages or whatever they, they, they would call it, but there's all these factions, different tribes, you know, the Moors, you have the Seminoles down there. You have, you know what I mean? The, the, we can name on forever. And the other ironic thing I find is that they're saying the Europeans, you know, the white devil, white devil, white devil. But then I'm like, well, didn't you guys build up Europe? Like, so did you create that monster? Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, that's where the narrative to me falls apart because I'm like, it's, you're trying to say that we're not all together in this because if you do, then the powers that be, the families, the black nobilities, the, the, the bloodlines, they, they're wiped out. They, we know the game's up. But they find people that are willing to push the narrative of like, yeah, you know, like we were God's chosen people and we, that's why we're going through the most stuff. But they forget about the empire and the conquering and they, they also enslaving people because that unfortunately is what people do at war, especially in those times. And they like to forget about that. And to go back to a little bit of what they do in America, I also found it kind of funny that and the comparison of Moors and Scientology. Like more science, like like their uh, Moorish Science Temple of America reminds me a lot of Scientology. Now it's not about what they talk about, but it's mixing all these religions together. You know, like oh Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, like they all these prophets they mix together, and I find it ironic that it was like their church, and I think that's part of the psyop that they've co-opted. Again, Moors are real people, you know. 
basically from Moroccan descent and North Africa area. And they, they had an empire and then they spread around and then it mixes people. That's why there is no such thing as a pure race. There is, there is no, the only pure race is human beings. And that's the idea that they don't want us to understand that. Oh, the white man's keeping us down. The black man's keeping us down. The fill in the the blank of the color or the ethnicity of the time to rally. Yeah, the people. no, I completely agree with that. And I'm for sure going to hit this whole more science group because they are specifically tied into Freemasonry. And, and there's a reason for that, too, because when you look at Freemasonry, there's no belief in a specific God. You're allowed to come in into Freemasonry as long as you believe in a creator or the great architect. So that's the prerequisite. One of the questions that they ask you before you go in. And for anybody that wants to know that doesn't know, like I went through Freemasonry. So I know for a fact that is one of the questions that is asked to you is, do you believe in a God? You have to believe in a God, but it's not a specific God. It's a great architect that you need to believe in to get in there. And that's why there's a mixing of a lot of different religions and different um, ideologies in that. So for sure, that's that's definitely going to come. And you're completely right about that. There is a really interesting correlation there with Scientology. They were kind of around the same time, a little bit before Scientology became a thing. But to your point about PSYOPs and to your point about them pulling the Europeans out of the Dark Ages, well, there's a little bit of theory or a little bit of research that can be done to say that the Dark Ages themselves were a PSYOP. Matter of fact, most historians don't even call it the Dark Ages anymore. They said it was just nonsense made up during the Renaissance to make the previous century seem bleaker than they really were. So a lot of people still pretend that Dark Ages were a bleak time between the fall of Rome and the Italian Renaissance, but most historians now say that's not even true. They said that the Dark Ages didn't end until the 15th century and the Moors invaded Europe 700 years before that. So even if the Dark Ages existed, the Moors didn't bring them out of it because they were already there and took over a lot of that area 700 years before the Dark Ages existed. So that's a piece of it that people don't talk about, that the Dark Ages themselves could have been a psyop, part of that rewriting history, part of why the Renaissance had to happen. Oh, we're in the Dark Ages. These, these Renaissance guys got to pull us out of it. Maybe it didn't happen that way. We don't really know. But to say that the Moors brought them out isn't necessarily true because they were already there 700 years before. So could they have had something to do with the creativity during that time? Probably, but who else could have been a part of that as well? It might not have been just the Moors or whoever you called the Moors. It could have been a conglomerate of people that there was a period of time where maybe they were against the government and maybe they were super creative and they just had a big splurge of that happening, but it wasn't necessarily like they were in the Dark Ages. To say that they brought them out of the Dark Ages and they were uh, there 700 years before that, well, then that would have meant that the Moors would have had to contribute 
to the dark ages as well, not just pull them out of it. Or dark ages or great reset, right? Like, is this the thing that we talk about that you wipe clean the slate because so much has happened? You don't want pe- because the, to me, the narrative is always pinning the people against the people. And yeah, the dark ages is not necessarily something that's really true. They, they, they talk about it. What does that mean? But I also think it's like when we talk about all oh, those people in 1800s, they didn't have, you know what I mean? It's always kind of crapping on the century before you and the century before that, where you're smarter, you're way more advanced, you're more civilized. I think this is something we've seen throughout history. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think that was a very telling piece of info that I ran across in my research that hey, the Dark Ages might not have even been the Dark Ages. So if we're talking about that, that didn't exist. Well, the Moors didn't pull people out of anything. So that piece of history isn't true. Um, There's a good argument to say that it wasn't, that the Moors didn't pull them out. So that's a big piece of that fallacy that could be there about the Moors. There's something that they really lean heavily on, that it was because of my race of people that pulled the idiot white man out of the the dull slums that they were in. Well, there's, again, a lot of evidence that the Dark Ages didn't even exist, that it was just something that people made up later on down the line. And like you said, to cover up maybe a reset that happened, not a coming out of a Dark Age. It's very similar to what they're trying to do right now, another reset. The Great Reset, as a matter of fact. So maybe this was just another form of that during that period of time. But I do want to shift gears. I want to get into the... Or maybe it was the... Maybe it was the okay reset. You know, (laughs) this was the great one. That was okay reset. (laughs) But I do want to shift gears now because we talked about mainstream. We've talked about some of our theories. We've talked about some of the research that combats some of the mainstream stuff. But I do want to talk about the quote-unquote, and I say that because it is take it with a grain of salt, the true Moorish history from an actual Moor. So I've done some heavy digging on some of these Moorish sites and some uh, Moorish literature about how they feel about what really happened. Some of it's some great stuff that I'm like, yep, yeah, I totally agree with that. And then some of it gets into that black Israelite, very militant, um, black people are better than everyone else mentality. And that's when I have to start cutting it out because I'm like, Okay, now now you're losing me because and it's not because I'm white. It's just because I don't think that anybody's better than anybody. So when you start talking about it in that aspect, I I, I just can't buy into what you're saying. Now, am I going to read it? Am I going to try to understand it? Yeah, of course, because I need to understand how to combat something. That's with any theory that goes on out there. I try to read through it so I can understand how people think. It's just like with woke culture. I try to understand how people think. I read woke literature. I actually do that. I don't just shun it because, again, there's some good stuff there, too. I understand where they're coming from. There's an aspect of it that you have to understand that people are just people, and not all of them are psyops that are writing this. This is how they feel, and there were specific things that happen in their life to push them down this path and maybe psyops that help drive them there. But this is why they write this literature. But I want to talk about the etymology from the Morris perspective on where they think the etymology or what these words mean, where more came from. And it stems from a Latin term, mare. It's a romanization of an Italic, uh, of an Italian expression, mari, from an Indo-European uh, European Mori, and it basically means mare, which also means great and or mighty. So 
That's where the term Moore comes from. It stems from these Italian to Indo-European to Romanian term mare, which means great and mighty. Now, check this out. You start digging into um, what some of the other words mean as well in con- in conjunction with mare. Think about this: a great and mighty man, a American, American, because the word can comes from the Canadian regions or the Canaanite land of Canaanites, which would also move into the term man. So they're saying that American itself describes the Moors, which Mari or Mare and then can, which is man. So a more man is what they're basically saying. The term American came from and the term American was here before the Europeans got here, which I thought was interesting. Maybe it's possible. I mean, the words add up when you start looking at the etymology, when you start looking at what these words mean, and they do mean that, um, it, it's a huge possibility. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's necessarily how long before, you know, uh, the Europeans got here was that term being used. Um, but according to this side of it, this is why they use that term. They even talk about the term native is from uh, an English word, natif, which means belonging to a particular place by birth. So they're saying that they are the natives of here because they are from this place of birth. And just throw it out there, you're throwing words out there. It made me think like, what about Mormon? Right? Like the word Mormon, the religion. And that comes from the primary author of the Book of Mormon. But then it says... Uh, the man, Mormon, was a prophet who lived around 400 CE. He was a member of the Nephites, one of the quarter of the groups described in the Book of Mormon. So then, like, that's what sometimes, like, I understand the origins of words and how they use it. But then it's like, okay, so is the Mormon religion also from the more, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think so, but I'm saying that you could try to correlate anything. And I think sometimes they do that. Like, we talked about a lot of theories. They tell you something that you're like, to like get you dunk, Duncan Trussell. Wow. You know, you're not going to have to get a clip of Whoa! Like where, yeah, where they're like, did you think about this word? It means this, but we don't know why. And, and I do think words have validity and they mean certain things and they can shape uh, the way we think about stuff. But I think sometimes they're also stretched out to be like, put us in a position of where we're like, yeah, you're right, man. I can't, I can't debate that. Yeah. That there's more in that. And then it's like, well, then every word that has some kind of more then you, you can relate that together. Well, take it back to what you said about the Mormons, because I did a little digging in what you just said. You just said a very telling word right there. And I don't think you realize you said it. The Nephilites, the Nephilim. They tie the Nephilim into the Nephilites, and that's what they were. So these fallen entities, these Nephilim were tied directly into this more man from before. So it is tied. I believe it's directly tied into who these Moors might have been, because there's there's so much occult that goes on with the more mentality and Freemasonry as we keep digging. And that's the part where I have a tough time with the black Israelite theory when it meshes with it. I'm like, wait a minute. What, 
you're supposed to be of the tribe of Dan. You're supposed to be of these 12 Israelite tribes of the tribes of Judah. Like all of these 12 tribes from God himself, the lineage of Adam, but yet you're commingling here. And I know they've probably got a million different ways to loophole around that. I've watched them do it. But in saying that, it's tough for me to buy in completely to these ideologies when there's so much occult driven throughout. And when you guys listen to this episode we got coming up, I'm going to directly tie Freemasonry into the Black Israelite theory, which they don't like to hear, but it is absolutely from the forefront, the beginning, the origin of it started with Freemasonry. And I think a lot of these supremacist groups are started by these secret societies to create division. All of them, whether they're white, black, whatever, they're all started by these secret societies to create division. Because you know what it is? It's like, we've got the real truth. I think that's how it works in the truth of community, right, Sean? Like People get angry over things because they feel like that they're special because they have the real truth. You know, we make jokes about Flat Earth, and we did earlier today. We talked about it, but that's the reason why Flat Earthers get so angry or they get uh, so butt cheeks tight because they feel like they have the real truth, that they are special because they somehow have this knowledge that no one else has. And and that's tough. I understand that how the truth community works, man. They want to feel that they're one of the elites. And it's sad because that's what the truth community has turned into, a bunch of elitism that's mir- like mirrored all over throughout this truth community that's supposed to be against that ideology, against that way of thinking. And unfortunately, the reason too is there's a lot of newer members, which is good. You know, people kind of what they would say, quote unquote, waking up, but they still have that sheep mentality and they gravitate towards five documentaries or like, you know, Hey, this one paper, they're not critically thinking where you're comparing and contrasting two different stories where, Hey, this guy said this, this guy said this, let me do further research. Hey, where's this guy from? Who's this guy connected to? And everybody always, you know, they bash the Freemasonry, like every, anything Freemasons, but, and distance themselves, but they're not understanding that. Yes, all this stuff is infiltrated. You have said it plenty of times. You're like, yes, Christianity has been infiltrated by the, the, the Masons. Uh, you know, uh, every religion has, you have to be able to not only say you're wrong, but to concede that there are constantly people and entities and fallen that are going to be constantly manipulating you. And you have to be aware of that. They're going to use what is best for you specifically. If you're white, they're going to push you into direction of like all black people, all immigrants, all whatever's not white is against you because they're taking your livelihood. They're taking your land. They're taking your family and you will be extinct which is the stupidest thing. And you hear that time and time again, you hear it in the mainstream narrative, you hear Biden, our so-called president going off on stuff like this, like, Hey, there won't be white people in America anymore. Like at this, which who cares? Because we all come from the same place. We all come from the same creator. We all are the same. We're on this. We just have different skins from different climates and and different cultures because we had these groups of people that are telling us how to live. And these societies, and it's not just the Freemasons, but there's plenty of them infiltrate. And I believe they're just like, kind of like the military guard of these 
elite families where they send them because they know through time they've seen revolutions they've seen rebellions they know how to stomp it out and the best way to do it is having civil wars having people fighting each other because you hate the woke person so much you're not going to see what donald trump's doing with the slide of hand over here you you hate donald trump so much you're not going to see what biden's doing with the slide of hand over here it's the constant back and forth that's the why they create the red and the blue that's why you have two pillars right so you can go to each side so you can divide them Absolutely, man. I, I, I completely could agree with that. Uh, to get back to this more perspective of more genealogy and how they were here, it's said that in the fourth century, there was a Manchurian missionary under the Shang dynasty named Hoshan, and he traveled to the Americas in search of his people. So I find that odd. Here's an Asian guy coming to the Americas in search of his people who clearly left. Asia to come here. So again, this is back to the Moors weren't the only people here. These 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 Moors. There were plenty of other um, people, including giants, that were in North America and just the Americas in general. So when he gets here, he encounters the ancient forebearers of the Moors. They were called the Olmec, meaning the rubber people, for importing the rubber tree only to indigenous to Africa. So they did a lot of importing back and forth. This is back to that Egypt connection to North America and how they were doing trading. There was a lot of trading going on in this time, which I, I completely agree. I think there was way more seafaring trading going on than history wants to tell us. I think that also would blow up a lot of the evolutionary theories that go on because we would know that there were so many different people from all over it didn't just evolve in a specific area that there was a lot of mixing throughout now the olmec people are very interesting there's there's a lot of interesting facts about the olmec people they're considered the first mesoamerican culture so their first great culture arose in mexico and central america um and they established around 1200 BC. Uh, and that's just coming from archaeologists. So we know that the Olmecs were here and we know that they were tied into a darker skinned people, but mainstream doesn't want to acknowledge that. They want to say that they were, you know, Native Americans or whatever they're calling them now, which I find funny when it comes to Native Americans, you can see their skin tone range all the way from very dark to all the way to so light that you wouldn't even know if they were white or not or what people would consider white um, in mainstream culture a lot of this Olmec culture has been lost that's another thing now my question is has it been lost or has it been hidden away which i think a lot of it has been hidden away because they were around before and during the maya and aztecs so we know about Mayan Aztecs. We can get a hold of their culture. We don't have a lot of the Olmecs. So it seems to me that there is some validity to this more idea that it has been covered up. I absolutely agree with that. I completely agree with that. They also had a rich, rich religion with many gods. Matter of fact, their gods, Dagon, uh, they had a fish monster. They had a water god, feathered serpent. They had a lot of gods that mimicked some of the gods in Maya and Aztec culture, which makes sense because I think that these gods were probably fallen angels that were 
showing themselves to multiple cultures in very similar ways. Cause we can see that throughout history on, you know, cave paintings and everything else where we'll see like the same thing, but it'll be showing up, you know, thousand years later, like, Oh man, that was back in that cave. It's the same thing. I think it's very similar in this Olmec culture, but they were also very talented architects, engineers. Um, they were big time traders. You can see this on some of their block structures and sculptures where they show that they were, uh, trading and they were a very strong organized political power and very influential. And lastly, no one knows what happened to their civilization. Very much like some of these other great civilizations that just seem to magically disappear. We don't know if it was some sort of extermination by entities or big giant beings we don't know how that plays out we don't know if they just left the area because of something crazy happening maybe some sort of catastrophe we don't know if god might have been involved in some of this stuff and we don't know if it was just a reset like we were just talking about a reset earlier the dark ages we don't know if this was a reset of this particular uh dynasty where it's like hey time to time to reset maybe the guys at the top of their system were like you know what guys it's time to reset we're connected with the other higher ups around here. That's what people miss when it comes to these kings and queens. Like they weren't elites themselves, that they didn't sacrifice their own people and do awful things to stay at the top of their game with these entities. This happens in every culture. Just because you came from a culture doesn't mean that culture was great. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All of our cultures have been infiltrated when it comes to fallen angels and entities. That is an absolute fact. So to take on board your culture as being the best culture, you're dead wrong. Yeah, absolutely dead wrong. And when it goes back to who's the first people of Americas and, you know, Africa's pretty far from America. There's tons of islands. Uh, you got South America, you got Canada, you know, you got that like ice bridge that was first. So, to think that the Moors were the first people is kind of ignorant, in my opinion, when you just really glance through history, you don't even have to do a deep dive, just kind of just looking through the scope of what people have already, and even the mainstream, and I get the mainstream, it's not all right, you know, that, that they're not the Holy Grail, but you can see that there was multitudes of different cultures that came here and that's why you get the melungians what we talked about earlier because you got the people of asian descent people of moorish descent people of you know that were had tribes here you got the mines i i saw somebody post on one of my facebook burner accounts this guy i know um and he was like claiming like that oh man tamales aren't from mexico they're really from africa and I didn't comment because I was like, man, I don't want to get into this. But that goes to what you're saying of where people want to be. The We were the first. Uh, we had all the knowledge. We were the smarter. We invented this. So they can feel superior in a way because a lot of times it's because they feel inferior within themselves that they have all these shortcomings that they can't overcome. So they need this lure of, hey, uh, we were great thousands of years ago, but the reason I'm not great is because this, 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 and that. And they restricted that for me. But to go back to tamales, the reason I bring it up 
is because all kinds of cultures have similar things because they found out that some kind of breading pushed with meat that you could wrap in like a corn husk or something, or there's multitudes of different ones. You could travel with it when you were, uh, you know, out hunting or you were out at a war, you had, you could have many of them with you and they would stay fresh, you know, instead of like, Oh, it got dirty. It it protected. It was almost like a Ziploc bag. And everybody wants to claim like, Oh, we had the first pyramids. We had the first, and the, the idea of the hundred monkeys keeps playing in effect. If you built those pyramids in Egypt, who's to say that just, even though they've never been there, never seen it, the minds had that same idea. It can't be that one person created it all. And that's what all this boils down to is when you talk about either the black Israelites or some of the Moorish people, uh, the KKK for sure, the Nazis, they want to say, t- stake the claim that we're not only the better, uh, uh, race, we are the superior race, but we built everything without us. You wouldn't live. And that's where we keep that internal fighting. Absolutely. Uh, and also, if you're going to even delve into some of my theories of, even outside of hunter monkeys, you could just say that fallen entities were jumping between different cultures and showing them these pyramid systems, which are completely occultic. So they are all occultic in nature and how that they are rever- are reverent and worshiped between these communities. So there's another reason why they all look the same and they're all connected to the stars and stargates and portals and all that too. So there's that whole other rabbit hole, which you and I've talked about several times on the show. Uh, but I'm gonna get back to this guy and kind of what he's talking about. Um, and he just kind of basically goes into the mixing of how that the Olmec were like the darker, the darkest skinned, like the purebloods, and how that all these other cultures started coming here later on, and then from them spawned what we would consider Hispanics, or what we would consider Native Americans. And there's some validity to it. I can get down with some of that. Say there was a darker skinned group of people that were here, and maybe they had a, you know, a dynasty here and all these other people started coming in you know you had uh like we talked about scandinavians and lighter skinned europeans and there became this mixing that happened you're going to have different shades that come out of it and maybe these people just end up in a certain area and it creates a certain tribe and that's how he breaks it down he he does it in a very interesting way which I thought was interesting too, because he took a lot of this slave piece out of it. He gets to the slavery part of slavery in America when it comes to black people, but he also talked about that it's not about just slave rate that caused these different hues of people. This happened naturally because you had people that were coming over here that just met each other and just connected with each other. So it wasn't just this white man came over here and took our black people and made this happen. Cause that's just not true. That can't be true if you really break it down. And I think that that was something I thought was very telling that made me buy into more of this mentality of, yes, there were these Moors, these dark-skinned people who had some sort of dynasty here. I don't know if it encompassed all of North America, but some part of it that was here that had a rich culture of religion and technology that were here. I completely agree with that, and I'm bought completely into that part of it. I think when you're looking at the Aztecs, Incas, Tolex, the Mayans, 
the Mansos, the Tatinis, all of these were said to be offshoots of some of this Moorish diversity that happened naturally as red and yellow hued tribes were spawned out of the mixing of different races or as you know, more militant guys would say interbreeding. I just think that just sounds awful. It sounds like uh, it's you're you're mixing the the pure blood with the with the tainted blood, which I think it it always kind of like gravitates back to. But I thought that was really interesting. That here's this guy who's a Moor who's totally bought in, who you know, in my opinion, is very borderline black supremacist in some ways, but is very honest too in saying that hey. All of these different hues and stuff didn't happen because slavers were, you know, having sex with their slaves and creating these mixed hues, like everyone says. He's like, it, that is a very small portion, very small percentage of what's really happened in the Americas. They always exclude the, Com- the Comanches, right? Like one of the most deadly tribes. And I, I wonder, because they can't be the only one. That's just one of the most famous ones. So I find it hard to believe, too, that... There was a lot of other brutal tribes here like that. They would just be like, yeah, you can have our land. We're cool. We're all buddies. And then like, you know what I mean? Like they were like one of the most vicious and there's got to be more than them. It, it, it's, it keeps making me laugh because we're like more Moors. Like, well, know? according to this guy, the Comanches came from the original Moors, the Olmecs. So that's their theory that the Olmec were the original Moors who came from Africa, who set up shop here way back in the past. They're trying to say that they're the first. That were here, that that they were the first settlers here. But then you have to start asking the question: If they came here, who did they run into? There had to be there was somebody else here. You weren't the first. It wasn't like there was just this land where nobody was here. Yeah. But they make this what argument I mean. that that's how it was, and I don't agree with that. I think there were multiple different people, um, maybe indigenous tribes, maybe uh, giant tribes, maybe some actual. Uh, you know, dynasties that were here even before these Moors, you know, you have to say that throughout the world. If you look at it from what we've been hidden from history, what's been hidden from us anyway, you have to look at it from that perspective. Like, yeah, I like a lot of what's coming out of this Moor theology, but you have to look at it in a way that, okay, yeah, you got here and you were here way before people said you were here. And they've definitely hidden your part of history for a specific reason. But you weren't the only ones here and you might not even been the first. Yeah. I wouldn't say they could be the first because the time frame, right? The time frame that they say that they supposedly became everything started in Africa. That's why I agree. Right. We all came from that, that first area. That's from my knowledge, what I think it, and it would be foolish. I think people weren't migrating for years. There's pockets of people. Hey, uh, 10 people, 15, 20 people that don't like the establishment of the time, the government of that time, they're going to travel around the world. And that's how I think things spread. So I think there was a pockets of people that wanted to get away. If we even look at like, say the pilgrims, right? They wanted to get away from England. Do you think that was the first time that happened? No, it's been since the beginning of time. Once there was groups of people and people trying to control people, they want to escape, go to different lands. And I think that's how we spread out. And that's how we get these tribes all over America's and the different islands. Not to mention as well as like Nephilim and, and giants everywhere. I'm sure that they also escaped after the floods. They're, they're hiding out in areas that are less people at less populated. 
And then that's how we get the lure of all these tribes that are praising, you know, like different giants or entities of, of that kind of nature. It just, to me, th- I think the Moors were yes here before people say they were like that, the official story, but I do not see that they were the first people because it doesn't make sense to me because I know that humans have been migrating forever and not just these big packs of people just to conquer as far as an empire, to get away from Rome, to get away from the Phoenicians, to get away from the Moors even, right? You're going to go travel the farthest distance. You're not going to map it out, but you're going to go on a boat until you hit another piece of land and, and it's going to continuously go because when you create these new societies somebody's going to want to make it into an empire someone's going to want to rule it with an iron fist and once those people get in charge the endless migration of people spreading out is going to happen there's no way they could be the first people here yeah for sure and to the point of retransplanting and according to this guy the when the europeans got here and they want to start colonizing and taking over which we know did happen, clearly it happened to some extent. Um, They said that the older, much darker hued tribes of the pure Olmec blood refused to interbreed or interface with the Europeans that came. So the Europeans totally eradicated them. So this is kind of that, hey, I'm super dark skinned, so I'm actually better than anybody else that's... You you see this happen even within black communities where it's like, I'm darker, so I'm better because I'm from the pure African blood. It holds true even in Moorish ideology. And because they these Olmecs refused to assimilate, they basically took over, they interbred with them by force, and the forebears or the colonizers, they forced the Olmecs or the and the great grandparents of these children, they forced them to perpetrate the lie of having been brought to this continent as part of African slave trade for fear of the ch- children being taken. So they they basically threatened the original slaves who were already here, the Olmecs. So that kind of disputes some of the African slave trade, even though I think that that did exist. But I do think that there was a lot of in-house. Uh, slave making as well think about it. when you take over a country in any kind of war that goes on the people you capture become your slaves so i do think that man that that totally happened i i think that happened i think this guy's completely right um but he's saying that he told the people he captured listen we'll take your kids if you don't tell them that you came from africa you have to tell your children because they're super small. They don't know. And you just feed them the lie that they came from Africa to hide their true power, their true king and queenship of being a Moor. So that is really what the ultimate thread that holds this Moorish theology together is the fact that we were here. We were captured here. We were forced to tell our children that we came from Africa when really we were here and we have the rights to this country when you don't. You took this land from us. See, they wouldn't have that basis to say that if they came from Africa. Africa would be your home. So the 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 psyop that they're saying has been that we were told to tell our children that we came from Africa as slaves when in actuality um, we're actually from here and we had great cities and great dynasties here in but no military, Americas. but no military, right? Like, which that's is the crazy thing that enough. I find. 
Like you're like, oh, we just had this utopia where everybody loved each other and we just shared everything. And we know that to be not true when you just look at human nature. You throw a when you have a hundred people, you can have one guy throw a bottle, everything changes, right? So why I just find it hard to believe how they say they were conquered. And I see it more as a co-op. I see it more as a they handshakes behind doors, like, hey, we'll help you, you help us. Because how do you have this huge dynasty, but no protection? Right. And this goes into this part that I believe, Sean, that all of the elites, no matter what lineage they come from, color they are, they are all in bed together. There's no, when you get past that elite cusp, when you get past that certain piece of the pyramid, these elites don't care about color. They don't care about race. They don't care about any of this stuff. They're all on the same team. But they can, like you said, co-op together to create this reset, which I think it was like that with the Olmecs. They came over here. They had some sort of deal with these Olmec kings or, or people in power. And it's like, hey, it's time for the reset. You guys know it's coming. We've already been in talks. If you think about if the Olmecs were as powerful and they were able to move and shake like the Moors were throughout the world, they would have had people in power all over the place. This wouldn't just be a North America thing or an America's thing or an Africa thing. It's not. These guys in power, these kings and queens were just as much in bed as these European white devils. They were all devils playing with real devils, which we're going to get to later on and how these Olmecs and how these Moors were very much tied into the occult and fallen angels. So, you know, back to this part, do I think some of this happened? Absolutely. But I also believe that the Dahomey tribe in, in West Africa, who took over a lot of Africa during the time, who were taking over tribes in Africa, were selling these tribes off as slaves as a part of the African trade route. It was. They were putting their captured tribes on the shores in cages for Europeans to pick up easily. They made deals with them. You know why? Because they weren't the Dahomey. The Dahomeys were winning, homie. They were winning. They were winning, so they were taking the people that lost to them and selling them into slavery. And it's having to be black because a lot of people in Africa were black. It wasn't a racist thing. It was a, an, an easy thing. The Europeans were like, we need people to work for us. Oh, let's, they, let's do some handshakes with the Dahomey, who again, people in power, kings and queens that people say they're from, were selling other tribes into slavery. So I think that was also going on as well. I don't think it was just the Moors getting taken over, but I think it was a combination of both. I think that's where we always look at all sides and we're like, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit from here, a little bit from here. We're going to find more of the truth as we delve deep into this. But the one part that, and and I really hate it, but people who buy into this mainstream view of slavery will never admit that black elites exist, that black elites sold their own people that were in bed with the white elites. You know why? Because they don't look at it as black and white. They just look at it as an elite system. We're above everyone else. This whole white man's running the world thing is bullshit. You can look at the black nobility. We can go all down the line. You could just, just the percentages. Like if you go to the percentages and you go white, 
uh, it's one of the lowest percentages of the entire world. So to say that, then you would be in, you would be supporting what the KKK and the Nazis think to say that, Hey, the white man is controlling everything because if it's such a small percentage, then that would mean that they are superior somehow that they're smarter, which I do not believe. But you're able to put that narrative out there because you're like, oh, well, they took over. Well, they're only 11% of the world, man. They're only like 11, 15% of the world. So you're telling me that small percentage is taking everything over, that they were able to manipulate everybody, that they took out all these great armies, these great militaries throughout history? No, because it's, again, it's all elitism. People are doing what's best for them. Hey, we need some money. Hey, we got some people. Yeah. Put them to work. I don't care what you do with them. Hey, we want this piece of land. What do you need for it? They're going to trade people because that was what the product was at the time. Hey, we have tons of people. We don't, we don't want to give them any of our other resources, but hey, they want to get some guys to do some farming. Hey, they want to get some guys to run win their kingdoms. That's how slavery works. And selling your own people. And like you said, taking prisoners of war and turning them into that. No, absolutely. And, uh, to tail off on what this guy's thesis is, because it's a massive thesis and there's so many different angles, but some of the proof that Moore's existed is out there. He's got a couple letters as proof, and I'm going to have these up on the website for people to read, but there's a letter from George Washington to the Moorish Empire Sultan, Muhammad Abdullah, and this was located in the Empire State, New York. So this letter goes from George Washington to Muhammad. You'll get to read that on the site. So that's just acknowledging that the Moors did exist. Also, another really crazy part of Moore uh, theories is that George Washington was the ninth president of the United States. The previous eight were all black. So that is a big part of Moorish um, theories as well. I'll let you guys dig around that. That's a that's a long, long one to dig through. Also, Rahm Emanuel, who was the White House Chief of Staff in 2014, wrote a letter. Um, it was it was a uh, more to the to the head of the Morris here in the states, and this is on document. So this happened in 2014. So he even acknowledged the fact that the Moors existed and there is some sort of order of Moors still around, which I think is more in the secret society realm. And this is why that they still talk to these Moors. I think it's like you said, that handshake way back. They're like, yeah, elites are elites. We're still going to thrive. It doesn't matter what you do to the peons. It doesn't matter. Who cares what color they are? Nobody cares at that level. No, the color does not exist anymore once you cross that threshold. And that's being seen even with these letters. You're seeing the interactions between them, um, uh, George Washington and one of the heads of the Moorish household. And that letter, which also gave them validity, I mean, gives you validity to the whole uh, Freemason connection, is the Kingdom of Morocco under Muhammad uh, Abdullah is the first country to recognize the United States as a country in 1777, which is funny, the triple sevens, you know, like, but uh, nobody else did. They acknowledged them. Why? Out of all the other countries, they're the Europeans that probably were still against some of the, you know, England empire, the English empire at the time, they didn't acknowledge it, but the Moroccan kingdom did because I think they had a deal, which, and I think that deal. And when you go back, 
you talk about George Washington, uh, uh, what, uh, Thomas, uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, Thomas Jefferson, all these people were heavily known to be into the Freemasonry. And that kind of pushes you to see that the correlation is not race, it's society and control. Absolutely. And I think people need to realize that more and more that these races and colors of people have elites in all factions. You know, I love it when the Black Israelites or the Moors try to say that, huh, it was just a couple guys that were like trying to take us down and they sided with the white devil. And this is why this happened. And I'm like, well, if you were such a strong country, a strong kingship, strong whatever, why did that happen? Why did two or three of, you know, the sellouts, as they always say, the sellout to the white man? Well, why? What, first off, why would they sell out? Like, were they offered that much in this thriving metropolis, these thriving kingdoms? And what could be offered? Yeah. Why would, what would be offered to them from a, an inferior opponent? That's the, that's the part that they can never tell you because here's the thing there are elites in every sector of life every race and they're all playing ball together behind the scenes while we're fighting each other about whose race is more powerful than the other one. And it's ludicrous. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, but I do want to switch to one of the other big things with the Moors and Columbus. The Nina, oh, the Pinta, oh, the Santa Maria. Oh. I'll do you on the bottom while you're drinking sangria. <laughs> Good old Columbus. Yeah. The Italians are good. Italians, get your butt cheeks tight. <laughs> get them tight, baby. So I did some digging and I found some logs of the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria of some of the crew members that were on there. And a lot of the high ranking ones, and the majority of them were Moors. They were from Morocco. Uh, on the Santa Maria, you had Bartolome de Torres, which was of Moorish language, last name. We had a Luis de Torres as well on that ship. You had a Juan Martinez and de Akakwe. And Akakwe is a Moroccan and Moorish name derived from souk, which means market. And we could go down the line. You know, I could go to the, the Pinta which there was Alonzo de Palace, and Palace is also a Moorish name. I'm only saying these names and showing you that they are from Moorish descent. So, at the very least, Columbus went and got three ships full of Moors to help him navigate to this India region that they say he was trying to get to India which I don't agree with. And we're going to get in that in a second, why I don't agree with the fact that he didn't know where he was going. Also, side note, Flat Earthers, uh, Columbus was not trying to prove that the Earth was round. I know that's one of your big things. Um, the Earth was said to have been round 2,000 years before that. It was known throughout the world that it was round, except in pockets that didn't accept it. He was trying to prove that the Earth was bigger then they said that it was. So that was the whole point of him taking this trip. And then he ran into a whole other country in the process. That's the mainstream story. I think he knew exactly where he was going. 
he had Moorish navigators who we've already stated that the Moors knew how to navigate the earth. We know that they had set up shop in the Americas long before that. There were Moorish kings here. We know that. So what was Columbus's whole mission? And I'm going to say mission to coming to the Americas. What was it, Sean? It was uh, to create America, man, and make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> he was the original Trump. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm about to throw a curveball on everybody, and this is some stuff I dug deep for. Do you remember uh, a long time ago there was a meme going around of an article that Christopher Columbus was black. It was during Christopher Columbus Day and everybody was passing it around and making a big joke out of it or whatever. I have some evidence that Christopher Columbus himself was a Moor, that he was indeed a Moor himself. So we know that he was a devout Muslim. Um, we know that he was totally bought into this Moorish ideology of how he thought, but there's some pieces of evidence as well. There was a fresco style painting, which was during the time of Christopher Columbus of a Cristoforo Colombo of Mula, Spain. And in that painting, Christopher Columbus was black in that painting. Now we know the mainstream story he was lost at sea and inadvertently landed on the island of Haiti, uh, originally known as the Kiskea, the mother of all lands. This was before it was anglicized to become Hispaniola. And this is in the southernmost part of the Americas. Now, in 1492, Christopher Columbus discovered America with Moroccan or Iberian servants who knew how to navigate the waters. That's the story. But it's really the fact that he was a Moor. And he had a full-on Moor navigation crew with him. So the question is, if Christopher Columbus was a Moor and his entire crew were Moors, they knew what they were doing. They knew where they were going. Why were they sent? Well, you can find that out from the meaning of discover. Now, when we look up the word discover, it says to notice or learn, to be the first, to be the first of one's group or kind, to find, learn, or, or observe. The actual meaning of discover, and this is, you can find this, but those, those meanings will pop up first. To reference when something is exposed or made known. For originally, it was secret or hidden to the public, but now all is revealed. So this means that Columbus, he didn't discover new lands. It's simply whoever sent him, they were already aware of the lands in existence and the people that already inhabited it. He was sent there to, maybe there were some white Europeans, we know that for a fact, that sent Christopher Columbus there to find out which places were better for immediate relocation and resettlement for their people. Maybe, to what you said, the handshake deal, maybe Christopher Columbus was part of that handshake deal. Maybe him being a more would have helped facilitate that. Hell, maybe Christopher Columbus didn't start in Spain. 
Maybe he had already been here. This was him going back to broker deals with the other more people that he was with. And we could go even deeper, Sean. It said that he was a navigator and explorer. And he was looking for that relocation. But his alleged story was documented. And it said that what he was as a discoverer, it was more of an indictment of him being a spy or an agent of the state. So really, he was kind of like that precursor to the three letters. He was part of some agency that had helped broker a deal to come over here. Now, this is a piece of lost history. You don't see a lot of this painting, which I've seen the painting, which is super crazy, man. And they call it Christopher Columbus in Spanish. And he's black on a ship with a lot of Moors that are coming over here. So that takes the whole, he came over here and started wiping out Native Americans out of the plate. No, I think he came over here to broker some sort of deal to facilitate this great reset of that time to help perpetrate the European, the white European, more heavily into these areas. What? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's somebody that's saying that. Right <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense because that would be more of the timeline of when the Moors came over. And that would definitely give validity to some of the things they're speaking of. But I think they have the timeline wrong. And I think that's more of a correct timeline of when they actually came over. And there may have been a few here, but I don't think it was what they thought it was. You know, I think that's where they more established, in my opinion, they established in America around that time when supposedly Columbus came which he came, but uh, the whole factor of being a more, it makes sense. His whole crew was. Absolutely, man. And I, to me, I thought that that was, I almost feel like that that meme, that fake article that came out, maybe there were some people catching on to the fact that maybe he was black. That would change the whole narrative of this division that they want to create from Columbus. That he came over here, wiped out these people, and maybe he did. Maybe part of brokering the deal, they wiped out some of the warring tribes that they had problems with. But if he was Moorish and he came over here with a bunch of Moors and he was a agent of the state or agent of the elites, I'd rather say, then he helped push this great reset of that time, that he was a part of that movement. That's what the brokering was between the elites behind the scenes. So... I like it. I, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but in that part of the research, it makes sense. It makes sense that that's what they do in history. They hide history from us. And that's something that, you know, I think black people can hold on to with that. Like, hey, you know what? There are elites in all facets of life. We're all being lied to. And in saying we're all being lied to, even the Moors themselves and what they say they're from is a lie. Like as far as them being great. The, these kings and queens that loved everybody that helped this build this dynasty uh, on, you know, these uh, utopian ideals, which just isn't true. The Moors are tied directly into Phoenician culture and they worship the same gods. Asheroth, Baal, El, which is where Elohim comes from, Dagon, Moloch, Moloch, like they're worshiping Moloch. 
So this is a this is a fact. This all comes from Phoenician into Egyptian culture. If you want to say you come from Egyptian culture, you worship these Egyptian gods, these fallen angels that revealed themselves to these Moors. This is a fact. So they didn't come. This isn't from a good place. You know, we talk about the black Israelites who you want to align yourself with the Moors. You're aligning yourself with some very dangerous ideals at this point. Um, and to Freemasonry. The, the, we know the involvement of Freemasons in, a, in the establishment of the United States. It, it's well documented. We know that it was in part of the drafting of the American Declaration of Independence. Um, and people say it's actually a Masonic project, like the United States itself is a, United, is a Masonic project. We know that even by looking at the state capitol, how it's built, you know, with the pentagram and uh, obelisks and all these Freemason symbols that are in um, the state capitol. But to that point, when you were talking about the Kingdom of Morocco, being the first to recognize the United States, uh, it was an historic act by the North African Muslim Kingdom, and it it, it it established this relationship that's still tight to this day. And the term "moor," and I said this earlier, became synonymous with Muslim in many contexts, and it became also deeper rooted within the supreme wisdom of the Moors which derived from ancient Egypt, which now is known as Moorish silence or science. Sorry. It's a vital link between ancient and modern civilizations. So they, again, this is Freemason uh, lingo all through it. The light of knowledge, which illuminated the Moorish lands of Spain and Sicily. They are an instrument to dispel the gloom of ignorance throughout the world. So, so they think that they are the light and they are connected directly to Freemasons here in the United States. And, and, and I know this may, you know, if you're, if you're part of the Islam religion or Muslim religion, um, this may get your cheeks a little tight, but when you get to upper echelon versions of Freemasonry, you shift from a Christian paradigm to a strictly Muslim paradigm. It said once you get past 33 degrees, it is the 360 degrees of Muslim teaching that is connected in with Freemasonry. A lot of the symbolism that's in Muslim culture is exactly the same that's in Freemasonry. It's almost like they get your foot in the door with like this Christian stuff like the cross and uh, Jacob's ladder and and King Solomon. But like once you get to a certain level, you ascend into this Muslim or Moorish mentality. Do you know that 19th century French writer Gerard Encasse, he was known as Papas, he noted how the Gnostic sects, the Arabs, alchemists, Templars form a chain transmitting ancient wisdom to the West. And he said this is directly correlated to the Moors coming over to the West. They brought this Freemason or at least they, they might not even call it Freemasonry, but that ideology over here when they came here to, so to say that the Moors are just, you know, are, are have nothing to do with anything evil and they've only had evil happen to them and been suppressed is absolutely ludicrous. And it's just, it's just, it's not true, Sean. <laughs> 
it's it's the originator of the victim mentality. Not the originator, but it is the game they always play. You had it worse, right? If you hear Jewish people talking to like ADOS people, African, you know, American descendants of slaves, people will argue like, well, we were gas chambered. Oh, we were slaves. Every single working class race, culture, ethnicity at some point in time has been enslaved. You can trace back the roots to all of that. There's some kind of, because it's this constant fight against each other. So at the time, it would be interesting to live during this Moorish empire, because I'm sure that there was narratives played for people that wanted to get them out of power because yes, that I think there's co-op, but I don't think they always all work together. They to lead to the world because people want to be the head, the head honcho right now. They'll work together in a lot of senses. And again, when you're talking about like fallen and entities, that's a different ball game. I think there's a huge amount of people that believe in that and they will work together if it is to appease that entity. But also there's entities causing trouble as well like there's reasons why they use these things in comic books like loki the the god of mischief right there's somebody out there that is like oh look at these moorish people they're oppressing all all these europeans so i'm sure there was somebody with that narrative of the time and now they pass the torch they go okay we're done you're the new oppressor so i think it constantly changes through time is who this face of who is oppressing who and instead of like looking behind the scenes and following the trail, whether you follow money or follow the history, they go and see the face of the white man or the black man or the native or whatever at the time is the big boogeyman. They put that out there so that we will follow and fall in line. And when you look through with this Freemason and and Moorish connection, it's almost absolutely evident that the Moors practice Freemasonry. And that Morris science, the religion that, that that's really pushing, that's why I was comparing it to Scientology earlier, it has so much influence of the Freemasons and other secret societies. Yeah, a Masonic author, Bernard Springett, actually came out and said, the plain fact that much of what we now look upon almost entirely as Freemasonry has been practiced as a part and parcel of the religions of the Middle East for thousands of years lies open for anyone who cares to stop and read instead of running by. He said, but is frequently and scornfully rejected by the average Masonic student. So even within Freemasonry, and I try to explain that to people because, you know, I was in the craft. I know what it's like to be in there and there's people that are just there to have a good time or just there to be part of a brotherhood that don't really know what's going on. So yeah, the average Masonic student, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the elite adepts that are there for the secret wisdom that understand what's going on. And all of this is tied into this more civilization. And it's said that Western historians ignore the contribution of the brilliant and energetic more civilization in delivering Europe from barbarism. Well, did they? Or were they just a part of bringing enlightenment in with these Freemasons or these Illuminati or whatever you want to call them of that time. Again, I don't necessarily think there was a dark ages. I think that they had a big stamp and been influenced during that time, but I don't, I don't think it was what we thought it was. I think that, yes, they are all about seeking the light. Um, matter of fact, George Washington, we we're just talking about George Washington. It made me think about this. He was handed, presented a Moorish flag 
from Morocco as a high-degree Freemason. And I believe that was between Freemasons. I believe that was between the both of them. We talk about Madame Blavatsky, and she is a central figure in the mid-1800s to the late-1800s of all of these different, you know, uh, esoteric occult practices, and she journeyed to Moorish lands. She talks about how that they are of the true masters, the Quajikan, the true masters that she learned under the, the Sufi traditions. She went there specifically for that. She went to learn from the Moors. We're talking about one of these, the key central heads of occult and alchemical literature, Blavatsky, who is in the same realm of an Aleister Crowley that we talk about. They all went there. They all went to learn from these Moorish masters. So to say that the Moors were oppressed, it's just not true. Not in the way that they're saying it. It, it, it's just not true. Yeah, I agree. And there's other societies around that time too, like the Thuggy Society, you know what I mean, in India that probably also played. And then like when you talk about uh, uh, all these other societies, I think they work together because it's obvious. And But I think that the correlation to the Freemasons, I think the Moors are heavily involved more than anybody would like to admit because also they were very predominant in Europe where Freemasonry pretty much was developed and, and invented because I don't, I think Freemasonry was just a spinoff of the secret societies because you start to try to capture your people. Like, Hey, we need to run this a certain way. We need optics. We need people to think this and that. And to your point earlier that I think people don't get, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't in the Freemasons. I never did any of that, but it's logical to me. That you need people that are kind of just like novices, like that are this there for the brotherhood or therefore like the fraternity aspect of it that are not necessarily seeking knowledge because that is how you have cover. Because just like a biker gang is like, hey, man, we donate fucking uh, toys for tots, man. They could still be slanging <laughs> drugs. They could still be <laughs> blasting people. You know what I mean? Doing whatever they got to do. Right. It's the same concept. The reason you need those people. And that's why, like, when people go, oh, every little Freemason thing, like, it, it's a very small percentage of people that have privy to that knowledge. That's the, There's a reason why they make you get to 33 degree. And then there's the talk again this is me just speaking because i don't really know but then that's when they talk about the higher uh degrees of freemasonry we always talk about the 33 degree but that's really the the entry level to the light per se you know what i mean the real knowledge what they would tell us well and to play into you were talking about the more science really how a lot of that came to be was from a guy named timothy drew and he was born in the early 20th century and he took a job as a merchant seaman, and he found himself in Egypt. And when noble Drew Ali, which he changed his name to when he started studying with more scholars, and he started studying Islam uh, from, from Africans, he started connecting with the King of Morocco. And he started coming back and forth. He brokered a transaction between... Uh, the Moorish country in the early United States. So he was part of that connection that helped catalyst 
um, George Washington and Morocco at the time. Now, he created this pyramid of the Chiops and they all changed their names to these Muslim names, whether it was Ali or Abdul and very similar to how uh, people that uh, like African, the Muslim Brotherhood yeah, type. Muslim Brotherhoods do now. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't uh, place the word there for a second. Um, but he started the movement to uplift fallen humanity by returning to the nationality, divine creed and culture to persons of Moorish descent in the Western Hemisphere. So he organized the Moorish Science Temple um, in that early part. Now, this is what's crazy. So you know how we talk about the Black Panthers and how a lot of those guys started getting hemmed up by the FBI and the CIA. Well, the same thing happened to him in like the 1920s. The FBI started getting involved with this more science. They actually arrested him in 1929. And when he was released from custody, he fell ill and never recovered and died. Now, some people think, again, this is the more side of it, that he was beaten to death uh, by a severe police beating. I don't think so. They said it was an inexplicable, inexplicable Explicable death, and it gave rise to unique Islamic groups among the African American community. So his death caused these groups to get stronger. Actually, I don't even necessarily know if he died. If he's that connected to Freemasonry, that connected to the agenda, that this FBI thing was a psyop to make it look like that he was beaten to death by the police. All it's going to do is just make the Moors who he's been training in this Freemasonic way. Matter of fact, they say that the Moorish Science Temple is operated very much like a Freemason Lodge. All of, all of what they do inside of that temple is the same rites, the same, uh, just all that stuff. So all of that is the same um, ideologies that are pushed so why wouldn't they take this central figurehead, create a martyr to solidify this group going forward? And, you know, they went more clandestine, more secretive after that. So now you've got these more science temples, these more science groups that are hidden and ducked away in different parts of society, but have made them stronger because of his noble drew ali's death and and they fragment right like after you see stuff like that you fragment off you get the muslim brotherhood then you get black israelites and these other little factions crop up because people are opportunists and they see groups of people that are now looking for something and i think that's why it's intentional and it could be believable that that being a sign of his death whether intentional or really if he died or not to have that happen so you can fracture those groups. So now you have multitudes of different. So the black Israelites think some of what the Moors think, but it's different. Uh, the Moors think a little bit like what the uh, uh, Muslim brotherhood thinks, but it's different. So that way you never really get to the truth. There's all these layers. And I think that is how we go through time. Absolutely, man. And last thing I'll touch on is just symbolism. And really just one in particular item is the Fez cap. This is a Moorish um, symbol. This came from the Moors, adopted by the Shriners. You'll see him wear the hat with the crescent moon. And I won't get into what the crescent moon means today because that's a whole nother subject. But I will say that the history of the red hats, 
They say it came and it was named after the city of Fez, Morocco, and it represents the Arabian theme the fraternity was founded on. But when you dig, and this is in multiple places, this isn't just one particular place, when the followers of Allah or Islam were at war with the Christians, they were butchering the people of Fez, and the streets literally ran with the blood of the martyred Christians, the Muslims Zealots dipped their caps in the blood of the victims as a testimony to Allah. The bloodstained caps eventually were called fezes and became a badge of honor for those who killed a Christian. So that's really where that whole thing came from, was from that event and then dipping their caps in the blood of these Christians. So that in and of itself, just... I don't Christian take that part out of it, just dipping it in the blood of killing people as an ode to whatever God that you're worshiping is a cult through and through. And this is directly tied to the Moors because it started with them, the Muslim Moors, and then found its way into the Shriner sect of Freemasonry. So again, another connection to Freemasonry and the Moors. So yeah, man, I, I, I think that's where I'm at with it, with the Moors. I think that there's a lot of validity to the statements that we talked about today, that they were here for a long time before people said they were, but were they great people? I think they're just like any other people in society, man. You got some awful people at the top trying to run the world and they're connected with other people at the top and they broker deals and the rest of us suffer because of it. And we need to stop with the pushing people into these camps, whether it's race, ethnicity, theories, no matter what it is, critically think and see the nature of human beings that they can be corrupted, they can be co-opted, especially when you have the manipulation of the fallen, when you, especially when you have the manipulation of people in power, people that have control over large groups of people. Stop thinking that you're better than this person because you're this race or I have more knowledge in you because none of none of us actually know anything. No matter how much we we research a lot, we still are not even scratching the surface of what history is. Believe in God. That to me is the ultimate thing, the person that you should always follow and stop following falling for this falsehoods of hey, we're this group. I'm woke. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm black. I'm white. I'm like you, you could go on forever because these are the tools that they use to divide us. And when we break down stuff like Moors, for instance, that's why we give them validity. Now I get it. Some people may hear this episode and go, Oh, they're bashing because we're going against their narrative, right? We're not bashing anybody. And in any episode, we're not bashing anybody except the elites. So when we're taking down some of these like Trumps or Elons or whatever, yeah, we are definitely bashing those guys. But we know that people are falling victim to psychological operations throughout time and people trying to control their minds and manipulate them to do what they want and to fight against amongst each other, the working class. And that's what we're trying to prevent. That's the whole reason to present the evidence. And as Joel said, this is just kind of like a little teaser, kind of us dipping our toes into the water to later on what we'll end the month off with or either end the month off with or start the next month. I can't remember exactly when the schedule is, but it's coming where we're really going to do a thorough breakdown of these hate groups because that's what they are. They think they're, they're superior to other people because of their ethnicity or their bloodline, which to me goes to the theory of not just Freemasons or any secret society. It goes all the way tail back to what you always say is the fallen, right? Who's the originate 
original manipulators is those entities that have been trying to control humanity throughout time. So it's important for us to critically think and weed through the bullshit and actually remember that human beings can be co-opted and can be led astray. So no race is perfect. No group of people is perfect. None of us are, well, none of us are perfect, but I mean, like, there is always a way for them to create and do evil just as any other human being. I couldn't have said better myself, man. I completely agree with that because I think that's where we always find ourselves in this weird space of getting missile shot ass from all angles because we try to find that middle ground where we can like find the truth and we're just not buying into these ideologies or cults that are created even in the truther community. We're just not going to do it. Like I'm going to look at everything with an open-minded lens. And I think going forward, I think people need to start adopting that mentality and they'll find that they're going to have less anxiety, less hate in their heart, all of these things. So I'm with you, man. And I think that uh, some people that uh, listen, that do get their butt cheeks all tight, they, this is kind of how they feel. Tender butt cheeks. <laughs> that workout, you know, get that glute workout <laughs> in right now, man. Some of those you, black Israelites prepare. Maybe we should get some kind of like, like clincher or something to help these people out, man. Because it's going to be tough. That one's going to be a little bit rough. But, you know, if you love this episode, what to do? Share the episode with all your friends, family, and coworkers. Hey, someone that's arguing with you, go send them to the disinformation section on killthemockingbirds.com. You'll be like, oh yeah, you don't believe me? Here's the document. Here's the letter. You know what I mean? Here, Here's the uh, the draft of, of a policy. Actual evidence that you can use and you can go to killthemockingbirds.com. And while you're there, why don't you go check out some of the new merch? We got that brand new shirt that just dropped. You want to let them know? I think they already know by now. Yeah, it's called Dogman the New Bigfoot. And it's a running joke in the crypto community that Dogman's taken over Bigfoot as the number one cryptid right now. So we've got a shirt that represents that. It's hilarious. I won't even tell you what it looks like. Just go by the website, check it out. We've got the Nephilim Porto Baby shirt. We've got the Bird Killer shirt. We've got the Butt Cheeks Tight shirt. And we've got some more merchandise coming in the next few weeks as a matter of fact so get ready we're not just building merchandise for our podcast we're building a clothing brand that people can enjoy even if they don't know anything about the podcast so it's going to be a really good time also sean we're talking about anxiety and things i'll tell you what man the past couple weeks i haven't talked to jen saki and it has been almost like a breath of fresh air for me you know i said it last time on the show uh you know i'm still seeking that elite ginger but at the same time i don't have that looming over my head right now. And I feel like that as the weeks go, that I'll be able to separate myself more and more. Now, don't get me wrong, Sean. Like, I'm human. I picked up the phone a few times. I almost texted her. I called you one time. You know, you're kind of like a lifeline for me. Like, anytime I get in those tough times and I called you up and you were like, look, man, don't do it. It's like I was in an AA group, but it was like a, a Jen Psaki anonymous group. And you were like, man, don't do it. You know, you can get through it. And I did, man. I appreciate that. You know, I'm going to keep moving forward um, and not, you know, getting so caught up with her, even though some days it's hard, man. Some days it's hard. I look, I, I walked by a cave the other day and I noticed like that was probably entrance back down to Agartha. And I started remembering those times and I went to reach for my phone. And you know what, man? I, I, I held firm. I held strong, man. And I kept it moving. Gotta be strong, man. Gotta be strong. 
Ginger 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 But don't forget to check out our music Joel Thomas Sean Chris on all music streaming platforms and we are going to end off again can go to the Shape of Shadows soundtrack on all music streaming platforms and you can go hear this song Lights on the Mesa you know how we do it here wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up Bird killers! When I look at the heavens Glow from the brush strokes Leave a different impression Behind the holy water All I'm seeing is doubles Used to stop at the sixes Now I push to the sevens This is my confession Whoa, whoa, whoa The lights around me beckon Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm lost in my reflection No, no, no I ain't trying to go away I don't know if I'm caught up In the lights on the mesa they're so bright Makes me think about life In the desert that's swallowing me whole I'm just trying to cruise on a trail But I know that my script Is written in a way That will make it easy for me, I know When people look at me, they look for something they can define I just never knew a box I couldn't decline I never thought of being one of a kind I just spent my time elevating my mind This is my confession Whoa, whoa, whoa The lights around me beckon Yeah, yeah, yeah Lost in my reflection No, no, no I ain't trying to go away I don't know if I'm caught up in the lights on the mesa They're so bright I'm just trying to cruise on a trail But I know that my script Is written in a way That will make it easy for me, I know
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.